Hey, good Monday morning to you. Welcome into In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. Today we're talking with the College of Veterinary Medicine from Kansas State University. We'll also hear from the Flint Hills Discovery Center a little bit later on, and we'll have a replay of our Friday legislative interview with Mike Dodson, representative here from the uh, city of Manhattan. But we will start with the College of Veterinary Medicine first, and uh, here joining us today is Dr. Brad Crower, Associate Clinical Professor. He's the director of the Shelter Medicine Program out there at K-State. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Crower, you've uh, you've been on the program here before. Uh, you've longtime K-State professor? Yeah, I came on board about seven years, was recruited um, by our current dean, Dr. Dr. Rush, uh, to come in and start the shelter medicine program. So uh, I've been on the radio here with y'all, I think annually, uh, off and on since then. Okay. Well, it's good to have you back here and back in studio. Uh, nice that we're not having to you know, meet virtually all the time anymore, but it is a nice convenience, but good to have people in studio. Yeah, it certainly allows us some flexibility that we didn't didn't know we have, but it's nice to, it's nice to have it and not have to use it. Absolutely. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the community outreach program in the uh, shelter medicine uh, program, and this is something that's uh, kind of growing over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's true. Um, we're uh, about a year behind in program development uh, due to COVID. Um, our regular program, the the program that I started seven years ago, uh, we have been out with our mobile surgery unit. I'm I'm sure a lot of our local Manhattan residents have seen us driving around with the giant uh, puppy on the side of our trailer, and and we've been taking that out for seven years uh, to local shelters kind of across the, the region, really within about two hours of Manhattan. And the, the purpose of that program is to help animal shelters get uh, surgeries done and well pet uh, exams done for their patients to be able to raise the bar of care in those communities across, across Kansas. Uh, in the seven years that we've been up and running, we've run almost uh, 600 students through that program. Each student spends about two weeks with us, and they average about 50, 45 to 50 surgeries per student. Uh, and, and we're doing that in shelters and, and kind of a giving back kind of way. So uh, our communities benefit, the shelters benefit, the animals benefit, and our students are graduating with more uh, more skills. Um, we just did about our, I, we just did our 30, uh, 31,000th surgery on that trailer. So we've, we've had a pretty big impact. Uh, that's been our foundation program uh, for the last seven years. Uh, where we're branching out, you mentioned community outreach, and that's, that's our new endeavor. We've gotten a new vehicle. Uh, we call it the Wellness on Wheels vehicle. It's, in essence, a mobile veterinary clinic. So instead of just a surgery suite, which our, our mobile surgery unit is really good at what it does, it does surgery, um, but that's, that's really its focus. The Wellness on Wheels vehicle is a mobile clinic. Uh, we have a surgery suite and an exam space. Uh, we have uh, capability to do full dental dental care. We've got x-rays. Uh, we've got the ability to pull blood and take that back to the university and get blood work done. And so the whole purpose of this new community outreach vehicle is recognizing that there's a population of people and pets out there that don't have access to care. And when we look at the challenges for access to care, it's usually threefold. One, um, do they have physical access or are they in, a, in an area that they just can't get to a veterinarian? Do they have uh, financial restraints? Are they able to afford care or, or do they need help with that care, that basic wellness care? Um, or do they, knowledge, um, is the access that they just don't know 
you know, what basic care is and how do we provide that. And so the whole purpose of this Wellness on Wheels vehicle is to break down those barriers of access to care. And certainly the uh, financial tends to be front and center when we look at, at access issues. Um, we're specifically rolling out starting in May um, with students on a, on a, a designed course uh, with access to care and community outreach as, as a, f- a front and center. So we will be doing a monthly vaccine wellness clinic here in Manhattan. Uh, we're working with uh, Street Dog Coalition in Topeka and targeting um, residents of Topeka that are at risk of homelessness or experiencing homelessness. And certainly there's a population of, uh, a percentage of that population that are pet owners and, and access to getting those pets what they need is, is certainly an issue. We're partnering with Pet Resource Center Kansas City and um, going into the Kansas City market and we're doing uh, pop-up vaccine clinics as well as street side care. So going door to door, helping people that maybe are shut in, can't physically get out of their home and get their pets what they need. Um, we're bringing that care to them in, in, in their facilities, in their, in their homes. Uh, and then we're um, continuing a partnership that we've ramped up over the last two to three years with a group called Community Veterinary Outreach in Kansas City, and we do monthly clinics there, uh, again, targeting people that are experiencing homelessness or are, are at risk of homelessness. Um, that was our, our model for this community outreach. We've been doing that uh, for three years, um, once a month, and we're, we're now going to make it kind of a formal um, uh, program. And uh, we, it's been highly successful. It's been very well received. Uh, we're engaging community veterinarians to help volunteers. So it's not just us going alone. We're partnering with organizations and we're being inclusive with our, our community veterinarians. It's so important that we recognize that we're all part of the solution and that there's a very large population out there that are pet owners that get amazing benefits of pet ownership that maybe have some challenges getting those pets um, the care that they need. That's great. What a wonderful opportunity here because you're not only helping uh, fill a need here in communities, but teaching experience as well. I mean, this has got to be great experience for the students. Yeah, the, really the shelter medicine program, we're positioned to, you know, like like our mission at Kansas State is how do we make students uh, more practice-ready veterinarians upon graduation? How do we get them as many hands-on experiences as possible? Uh, our focus in ShelterMed is doing that in a community outreach kind of way. So our students are becoming better veterinarians, but um, if along the way they learn more about shelter medicine and the challenges of animal welfare, if along the way they are experiencing um, an interaction with a population that they otherwise wouldn't have, um, you know, uh, and we make those students better people along the way, not just better veterinarians, then we feel like we're winning. Yeah, absolutely. You get the empathy element there as well. And yeah, you mentioned uh, the, and then this is uh, not just a Manhattan thing, being able to take this on the road. Uh, have you had a lot of success in those other markets so far? Yeah, I mean, we're we're just dipping into it. Certainly, we go with this 
full-on approach uh, with all these partnerships starting the second week in May. Uh, we've had uh, success with our monthly trips with CVO. We just did a wellness clinic this last weekend, and uh, it's just amazing to see clients. We develop clientele um, that uh, don't have any other avenue, and um, we've got some great stories, some stories where we, you know, the first month we see this dog coming in with horrible flea allergy, dermatitis, no no hair, and we talk to the owner and, and get them some initial treatment, and we see them the next month, and they're a little bit better. The next month, they're a little bit better, and then finally that, that final month, um, we, or this month, we, we see the dog. It's perfectly healthy, looking good, and we're able to schedule a surgery and get that, get that dog spay-neuter and do a dental, and um, the people are so thankful. Um, these pets, um, you know, uh, we're talking about people that don't have a whole lot and that pet means so much to them and for them to be able to see those pets get what they need and be able to improve it's just so heartwarming and and certainly the students getting engaged there the other thing that we find is that um, you know the populations we're dealing with um, they don't just have access to care issues on the pet side they also have access to care issues for themselves and uh, oftentimes um, they're very reluctant to engage with the human health care side of things. Um, what we're doing with our program is a One Health approach. We're partnering often with um, a group that's providing human health care or um, uh, food banks, uh, um, KU, KU uh, nursing. There's a, there's a number of different groups that we're partnering with that are providing parallel human uh Healthcare, and that allows us really when when we're able to engage this population on the importance of healthcare for their pets. All of a sudden, then we're able to 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 speak with them and say, you know what, this is important for your pet. Um, it's also important for you. While we're dealing with your pet, why don't you go and talk to a counselor about um, substance abuse or about um, um, you know having your having your ears or eyes checked? And so we can raise the bar of care not just uh, with communities with their pets, but also on the human side. So it's really rewarding to interact with uh, med students on the human side, and they can come and see what we're doing on the veterinary side and then spinning our students out uh, to see those human health care clinics as well. Wonderful. Any uh, upcoming opportunities here locally coming up? Well, we'll start with um, we're partnering with T. Russell, our our local animal shelter. We oversee the shelter medicine program at K-State, oversees the medicine and surgery for the patients at T. Russell. Um, we're partnering with them on vaccine clinics on a monthly basis, and those will start the second Tuesday of every month. Uh, we're looking at afternoons, and they'll be in, we'll probably ro rotate different locations throughout town. Um, T. Russell will be advertising those. Uh, so yeah, it'll start, I think our first clinic that we're involved, um, on a, on a formally scheduled basis will be, um, I think it's Tuesday, the 12th, May 12th. Um, and, uh, I can certainly get you more information as, as we have that, but those will be regular. Certainly we're targeting people in need, um, people that otherwise, um, wouldn't be able to get their dogs vaccinated, wouldn't be able to get those exams done. And we can initiate, um, uh, exams and come up with, um, diagnostic therapeutic plans. Um, we want to engage our local community veterinarians as much as possible for any kind of follow-up. Um, but, uh, we we want to feel like we this program is kind of a gateway drug to animal care and pet care, and how do we kind of get the ball rolling in that direction and be able to get people and pets what they need? 
Okay, again, we're speaking with Dr. Brad Crower. Again, he's the associate clinical professor in the K-State College of Veterinary Medicine, director of the Shelter Medicine Program. Uh, we're going to step aside, take a break. If you got any phone calls that you got a question maybe for Dr. Crower, you can give us a call at 537-1350. We'll answer them in the next segment here at News Radio KMAN. Hi, and welcome back into In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. As uh, we begin segment number two with our guest from the Kansas State University College of Veterinary Medicine, Dr. Brad Crower. And uh, coming up a little bit later, we'll hear from the Flint Hills Discovery Center as well. Uh, we're talking about this uh, wonderful outreach program here that the uh, Shelter Medicine Program has put together. And, you know, we just talking in the last segment about all the good work that's going to be uh, happening here over the next several months with this. You know, this opens up the opportunity for anybody who can uh, to help fund it, because I'm sure you just depend on local funding here. Yeah, you bet. The shelter medicine program, uh, since its inception, has been funded primarily by private donation, uh, corporate sponsorship, and grant funding. Uh, I really like that we're we're funded that way. Uh, it's very consistent with the organizations that we partner with. Um, it allows us to teach students about being responsible for with donor dollars, uh, and so yeah, it's 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 in line with what we're doing, which is a community outreach mission. Um, and it's so important that we spread the news. And, and yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because if somebody's interested in, and, and feels like, hey, uh, this is a program I can really get behind and would like to donate to, um, uh, Kansas State Foundation has a, um, a website and a, a, a funding link that comes directly to our program. So it's um, not pulling from the general fund. We are funded kind of directly. And certainly if, if – uh, if people are interested, they can reach out and we can get them that information. But, yeah, thanks for, for mentioning that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity. You mentioned uh, all the good that's happening here. And I think people would uh, appreciate uh, knowing that their money is going to something uh, that's benefiting so many. Uh, speaking on that note here, I'm sure you have some success stories that you could share. Oh, the stories are just um, just one right after another. It makes you feel great every day. And there's, you know, there's a few that stand out if I was asked and said, hey, you know, can you give an example? And um, I was doing a ride along. We were doing a um, door-to-door care um, this last summer in Kansas City. And we met um, a gentleman named uh, Yuli. And Yuli uh, was, um, uh, is a Ukrainian immigrant, which is kind of front and center now. Um, but he's been in, he had been in the country or has been in the country for um, just short of 20 years. So this has been somebody that's been here. Uh, he and his wife are here. He's a machinist and, and has worked and been a, a functioning member of society, paying taxes and just living here in America, um, the American dream. Well, COVID hit and um, really uh, Yuli's situation um, got dire. His, um, uh, his wife passed away. And uh, they had two two dogs, um, Sugar and Ozzy, and um, Sugar was his wife's favorite. And when we were talking to Yuli, you can really tell he loves his dogs, and and that that Sugar was really his connection to his wife. Um, so his wife passed away. He lost his job as a mas- machinist and wasn't able to. Um, pay rent. And so over a period of time, uh, that certainly caught up with him. He's trying to do odd jobs. Uh, He's out trying to find work. He came home one day and all of his belongings were out on the porch. He had been evicted. Mm -hmm. And um, 
shortly. So he's living on the porch with his dogs. Shortly after that, um, uh, he came home uh, again doing kind of some side labor and uh, all of his belongings had been removed and kind of put out on the street. And when we met him, he was living next door to the house that had been shut down, boarded up, condemned. He had been, he was living in um, the yard next door. And um, the organization that we're working with, um, Pet Resource Center in Kansas City, had provided him a tent and a generator. And um, with our program, we're able to go in and um, vaccinate his dogs, help him with pet food, um, get his dogs spayed and neutered. And when we were coming back through and able to talk to him, you could understand that this this guy's life, he's just trying to do everything right and 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 was uh, really um, dealt a, a really short hand because of because of the last year. Um, but so, so appreciative um, because his world were those dogs and being able to provide for them and help them meant so, so much to him. And um, f- to be able to bring students and to be able to have them understand that um, pet care isn't just for people of resource, that that um, these pets mean so much to people that maybe have some challenging situations. And how do we help them get out of that? How do we help those pets and not just turn our back on those pets? And, um, you know, he, Yuli is a perfect example of what our program is set up to be able to provide is um, how do we get students in there and be able to get them the experience of doing exams, um, providing diagnostic therapeutic plans, working up doing, getting those pets what they need, um, but also just the huge value for that population of people that, that currently don't have that availability. Oh, wow, that's great. What a wonderful story there. And um, we do have a, a caller here on the line that has a question. I'll we'll go ahead and go to him next. Paul is joining us. Go ahead, Paul. Okay, uh, really not a question, just a super compliment to the Kansas State University Veterinary Department. Uh, as we know, one of the best things that happened for animals was the leash law in Manhattan because we eliminated a lot of bad, bad situations because of that. Now we have this program, which is uh, sounds to me a lot better because now, as we all know, man's best friend can't talk. But it sounds like man's best friend is bringing uh, social and rehabilitative relief to the families. Kind of puts tears in your eyes, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you, Doc, whatever you're doing because it's, it's great for the entire state and the entire community. Thank you very kindly. Oh, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate your recognition. And, and yeah, it's our program is very consistent with the land-grant mission of uh, Kansas State, which how do we provide service out in the community? How do we do good things? And, and that's what we're trying to do on a daily basis. And, yeah, recognizing that uh, people – People might be in a rough way, and they may have some barriers, but uh, utilizing their pets to be able to have that conversation and raise the bar is is kind of what we're shooting for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's so neat that you're creating bridges here for people who, uh, you know, are down on their luck. I mean, this is what a wonderful opportunity. And if people want to learn more about this, is there is there somewhere they can go online to, to learn more about it? Certainly, um, if you were to Google Kansas State University Shelter Medicine, um, we have our website. We have um, in a Facebook and Instagram 
account. So certainly you can follow us there. Uh, that's directly related to our program. Um, the Kansas State Foundation uh, is also that fundraising arm. They have a specific account and uh, account and site for our program directly. So um, I can't. I don't have it off the top of my head. I wish I I could. I'm just not that good. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Google works pretty darn good, so you can probably find it very easily. And then the partnership with the T. Russell Rights Animal Shelter. I mean, that's a We've talked about that a lot here on this show, but I know you guys work so hand-in-hand hand together here in the community. Yeah, that's something that's come about in the last two to three years, and it, it just seemed like a natural fit uh, for us to be able to drop students in, to be able to provide that care and raise the bar here in Manhattan. And uh, it, it definitely is something that we're able to work up med- medicine cases that otherwise wouldn't be getting attention there uh, and, and be able to give uh, resources here to the city uh, that they don't necessarily have to pay directly for. Well, I got to say, this is one of the, the more fascinating sides of uh, what College of Veterinary Medicine is doing here. So I uh, appreciate you coming on and, and sharing it with us here this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Any Anytime, uh, I'll come back as much and as often as you'll have me. All right. Sounds good. Dr. Crower again here from the College of Veterinary Medicine. He's the director of the Shelter Medicine Program, associate clinical professor there as well. Stay tuned. More In Focus continues in a moment here on News Radio KMAN. We are back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN, and uh, welcoming back into the studio here some folks from the Flint Hills Discovery Center. Big week for them coming up. We have uh, Susan Adams, director of the Flint Hills Discovery Center, with us. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, Deanna Likes, uh, public uh, marketing coordinator. Marketing coordinator. Excuse me. Apologize for that. And uh, both joining us here because uh, we're going to be talking about the 10-year anniversary of the Flint Hills Discovery Center today, and. You know, that's exciting. I mean, hard to believe it's been that long. Um, I moved here about three years ago, so um, I didn't know the history of the Discovery Center. And, but it's uh, 10 years is a big milestone, Susan. It is a wonderful milestone, actually. Thank you for that. Um, we actually kicked off our celebration on, on Saturday where we recognized Bruce Sneed as our friend of the Flint Hills. That was sort of the beginning of celebrating the 10-year anniversary. Uh, Bruce was our past, um, well, his current foundation president, but has also served on the city commission and mayor and was key to the South End and, and North End redevelopment, which is what formed the Flint Hills Discovery Center. Yes. Tell me a little bit more about that, because I, I, I know a little bit about Bruce, but not a lot. Well, Bruce has been in the community for years. Um, he is at K-State, of course. But um, his involvement with that South End development helped them locate the star bonds, the sales tax and revenue dollars, um, $50 million, which developed that whole South End. So the Discovery Center, Blue Earth Plaza, um, the Manhattan Conference Center, and then all the hotels and retail. What was that? What was that like before all that? What, what was there prior? It to was it was sort of a area that needed some attention, um, and I think that the community, as well as the city commissioners Ron Fear, uh, Jason Hilger's um, city commission, it was key for them to realize that something needed to happen in that area. But when people were driving into town, um, we wanted something that was welcoming, encouraging people to come into the community, especially off of One Seventy Seven. Uh, that building is iconic. Yeah. It certainly is. It's uh, first thing you notice when you come into town, and uh, maybe last thing you notice when you're leaving. So, and maybe you'll come back again, depending on which side you go out of. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and Nick McNamara is our city reporter, so he he knows a lot on uh, the city stuff here. So, um, 
As far as uh, what what will be taking place this week, then, I think you have a big celebration Thursday, right? We do. We're kicking off the anniversary with a big party. We like to do that at the Discovery Center. Um, so we'll have a short presentation by quite a few, some dignitaries talking about, you know, what the anniversary means to us. And then just have a fun experience with cake, a balloon drop, um, some giveaways, and discount pricing. Oh, Okay. Uh, and Deanna, um, I'll bring you on the program here a little bit. Uh, what will you be uh, involved with this week? Well, just what Susan was talking about. I think um, one of the things that's really exciting, um, in addition to the discount pricing, um, $7 for adults and $3 for children ages 2 to 17, um, is our 10% off of memberships. I don't believe this has ever been done before where a discount has been given on memberships. Susan can correct me if I'm wrong. Um and so we're offering 10% off, and that is all levels of, of memberships, including our patron memberships, um, which give you some extra benefits above and, and beyond just our regular member benefits. Um, and that is for four days only, uh, the 14th, which is this Thursday through the 17th on Sunday, just to celebrate the 10-year the anniversary. Um, but it is kicking off um, about a month and a half of a membership drive that we're having also just to, you know, encourage people if they haven't been a member before or even, you know, if they have and, and they haven't been a member for a while or they're looking for a gift to give. Um, I talked with a, a lady who that's what they give their neighbors every year for Christmas. They give a membership to the Flint Hills Discovery Center. Um, they've got, you know, a um, retired couple and, and they have young neighbors um, with a couple of young children. And, you know, she just couldn't think of a better gift. Um, and so, you know, it makes a great gift. Um, and even if you have renewed your membership lately, you can still renew it and it, it will just add on. Um, so you're, you know, it's really a, it's really a great deal. All right. As far as, uh, some of the perks of being a member, I, I'm not a member right now, but if, if I were to go Brandon, sign up, we have to sign you up. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you and your family. Yeah. Just what are some of the things like you're around that, that you get from being a member? Well, the best benefit is you get to come into the Flint Hills Discovery Center and not have to pay anything extra. Um, we do lots of special events, um, festivals. We have Flint Hills Festival coming up, National Day of the Cowboy. Um, and you don't get charged for that. And you get to just walk right in. It's a really great opportunity. On top of that, you get 10% off at our gift store. But for me, the best benefit probably is if you like to travel, we are part of an association of science and technology centers. And you can get into a variety of museums all around the world, 340, over 340, I think, um, usually at no cost. So I've been to the Field Museum, didn't charge me a penny. And usually that's about 50 bucks a person to get in. So there are lots of great perks for that. Nice. And I imagine you probably get some sneak peeks whenever you have like a new exhibit come in. We do. I apologize. We do have member openings. And in fact, we're getting ready. Um, May 20th would be only for members. It's a Friday night event, and it's for our new exhibit called Big League Fun. So a great baseball exhibit, and we're thrilled to bring that to the community. Oh, now that sounds like a, a Yeah, lot I thought of fun. you might like yeah, that, that's, that's especially with your KC shirt on. Yeah, right yeah. up your alley, Brandon. Exactly. <laughs> well, you had the Harley Davidson thing last year. Yeah, I even I have my little... Wristband there still. You go. <laughs> <laughs> Ride Kansas. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, neat, neat opportunities here. And, 
really for the we we just saw the sunset zoo have their big thing yeah. this past week and they talk about the quality of life this is a, just another branch of that you bet improving. and thank you for mentioning the sunset zoo i wanted to give a, a congratulations out to them i went out over the weekend that place is fabulous and i really encourage our communities to support that the new expedition asia absolutely and as, as i was out around the community this weekend you saw some commissioners i saw some commissioners brandon and i was speaking to them a little bit about um both the zoo and the discovery center when i was out at the trail dedication at linear trailhead and they were talking about sort of the um patronage for the discovery center they mentioned there's a very maybe not a small but a very passionate um chunk of the community that's one of you that that are really contributed or really committed to patronizing the uh flint hills discovery center and i'm just curious how important it is to have that um sort of repeat membership and that like passionate group of people that are really interested in the discovery center you bet um in fact the flint hills discovery center was built because of that passion there were very many in the community as well as the region and that's the point that we always try to to direct people to is that we're not just a city of Manhattan. We are a quality of life component and, of course, built through the Starbond dollars. Um, but we are touching a bigger area than just the city of Manhattan. We touch the whole Flint Hills region that goes north and south of the state of Kansas. Um, and everyone's support, not just locally, but throughout the region, it's key to the, our success. And we've been very blessed to have a lot of people um, that believe in the message of the Flint Hills. Um, if we don't do something now to preserve the, the Flint Hills region, the tall grass, um, it will disappear as we know what happens in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as far as uh, out-of-town guests, do you guys keep track uh, on that? We do as much as we can. Uh, we do ask for zip codes when people come in. We also have a guest book registry and encourage people to sign in. It's fun because we've had people from all over the world. Um, we even hosted the um, president of Costa Rica one time, and that was a wonderful surprise. And again, through a partnership with K-State, they chose our center for him to come and learn about the Flint Hills region. Wonderful. Well, it's, uh, is there anything else here specifically? I have some other questions I might ask, but uh, if you have anything else you want to talk about? Feel free. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I, I know that you know we're starting to see more meetings come back here, mm-hmm. and I imagine the Flint Hills Discovery Center is probably a wonderful place for stuff like that. It really is. We have um, we have a, just wonderful spaces. They're visually interesting as well as, you know, having all of the accommodations that, that you need. Um, we host weddings. We just had um, a sorority formal there the other night. And, in you know, we can handle big, big groups and small groups. We have a, a couple meeting rooms. Um, and just, you know, just anything that, that you need, um, we can we can accommodate pretty much anything. Can you utilize that space outside? Because I, yeah. I, you go upstairs and it's really neat up there. I was going to mention the terrace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that is actually a city park. So it is open when any city park is open. Um, and people come up there, um, can just look out over the city. You can, um, you know, eat lunch up there. We have, we have quite a few people who come and, and, you know, utilize those open areas um, for lunch or, you know, for a little get together um, with friends. Um, it's a really nice space. Um, and if you if you like photography, I highly recommend bringing bringing a camera along and, and getting some pictures. Um, you know, we're starting to see that space really come to life again. Um, you know, during the winter, obviously, it's a 
it's not the prettiest with the with the brown, but um, we're starting to see the the green come back and the flowers when they're in bloom are just beautiful. Well, this is my favorite time of year for the Flint Hills <laughs> because it will start to turn green, and this is kind of the anchor <clears throat> of of the uh, whole region here. You know, I, I always say we're we're spoiled here in Kansas because the Flint Hills region I think is the most beautiful part of the state, and just sharing that story here with mm-hmm. people who come in from out of town. I mean, it's. It's nice to nice to share that with them. Yeah. Well, we're lucky enough. Um, again, speaking back to the the patronage and the and the support that happens at the Discovery Center, we're also going to be opening um, a second floor exhibit. We did a complete redesign through private donations and grants through our foundation, and we're going to be opening that at the end of May. Wonderful. All right. Well, that's cool. And then, so Thursday, that that event here, that's a, that's a public event? It's correct? a public event. Um, if you want to go in and see the exhibits, you do have to pay the regular admission. But our atrium is considered a free space. And so that's where we'll be spending most of our efforts there. Um, that's where the fun balloon drop will be from the third floor all the way to the first floor. And people just love that. So it's something key to the Discovery Center recently. But and we'll have cake and lots of great giveaways and activities, educational activities for families when they come in. All right. And what time does that all get started here? Uh, we have music starting at 1030, but our doors open at 10. And then the presentation will be at 11 and cake right after with balloon drop. So it should be lots of fun. We hope people come out. All right. Mark that again this Thursday <laughs> coming up at the Flint Hills Discovery Center down at Blue Earth Plaza. I appreciate you both coming in here this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned. More in focus in a moment here. News Radio KMAN. 803 at News Radio KMAN. Good morning. Partly sunny skies giving way to a mostly sunny but breezy afternoon. A red flag warning in place this afternoon across the region. Burn bans as well as we head for a high of 54. 36 partly sunny now at 3 past the hour as we get our legislative update now this week. Here's Brandon Peoples. That's right. Uh, we get uh, a check of the legislative. Uh, updates each week here on News Radio KMAN on Friday morning. Today we're visited by uh, 67th District Representative Mike Dodson. Good morning, sir. Morning. Great to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. I know you've been making the rounds here in Manhattan this week. You guys had a forum last Saturday, and I know you spoke with county commissioners, it uh, sounds like yesterday. Uh, is you get a little bit of a break here in the legislative session, huh? Yeah, the, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think uh, we were a little bit out of sync between the House and the uh, Senate, so we didn't get everything that uh, we wanted to do done by Friday night. I think we ended at uh, 2.15 in the morning on Saturday, but uh, we have a veto session coming up beginning on the 25th, and uh, we'll just have to incorporate those things that we didn't get done during that time period, unfortunately. Well, I, I know there's always a lot of work that uh, seemingly has to get done during the legislative session. Let's talk about maybe some of the maybe the good and, and maybe the, the not-so-good uh, that's come out of this session, in your opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, going in, we uh, set ourselves some goals, and one of them was to uh, buy down the debt. Another one was to establish a rainy day fund and also to meet the, the reserve target that we have, which is 7.5 of the of – the, uh, of the fund, and then to do some economic development. I also had one that uh, I wanted to do some work on education. That one is not done yet, but let me just uh, maybe talk about the budget for a minute. 
So on the uh, budget stabilization or rainy day fund, there's $500 million uh, in there. And the ending balance, which is, you know, when you get, when you put in all the revenue and take out all the expenses, was $750 million, which was in excess of the 7.5% floor that we try to establish each year. There's uh, a little over a billion dollars that uh, we'll have going into the next year, all told, and uh, about $870 million, I think it is, going into 2023, or coming out of 2023. We put uh, $4.2 of the general fund from Kansas into the education, plus about $2.2 billion that we get uh, from the federal government. Uh, a big deal on buying down the debt was... Uh, the amount we put into capers. Um, capers had been down as low as 56% funded at one point. Uh, capers now stands at just over 80%, which is really what you need to have to be considered a stable fund. So last session we put in $500 million. This session we put in uh, $1.125 billion. And that includes a little over $250 million that we missed, uh, that we were short paying between 2017 and 2019. Those were called layering payments. Uh, we did do some work with ARPA funding. Uh, there is about $313 million total that will be going to community colleges and uh, technical colleges. Uh, included in that, $35 million went to KSU for ag production, and $25 million went for uh, ag development. So some progress was made. Um, we're still working on uh, education. We did some work on tax. Um, I'll just run through the tax real quickly. And I, I would just say that for anybody interested, you know, all of us have... Uh, uh, house addresses, you can just go on the legislative website and uh, pick those up, and we'll be glad to share more information. But I think, generally speaking, everybody is their first name and then a dot and then their last name and then at house.ks.gov. And uh, there's so much information here that uh, it's just hard to get through in the time allotted. But at any rate, on property tax, uh, we raised the uh, deduction from 20000 to 40000 Hopefully that will help some people. We also said that uh, if you only own property uh, during a part of the year, that the tax would be prorated on only the part you owned. And then on the ag side, uh, grassland will be categorized as grassland uh, by being in KRP, excuse me, CRP. And then, you know, everybody has a 20 mil school tax. And when you do the valuation increases, uh, that 20 mil valuation, excuse me, that 20 mil school tax will not be counted in that valuation increase, uh, which would trigger having to go back to the, uh, to the citizens to, uh, put that on the ballot. So that, that makes a little bit more sense because that's pretty standard. Um, and then uh, on the income tax side, we gave uh, credit of up to $250,000 uh, 
for donations to community and tech colleges. Uh, we gave deductions for teachers for all the classroom supplies that they buy. And then something called golden years. So if you're 65 years or older and you own a, a home that is less than $350,000 and you have less than $50,000 in income, will be exempted. Um, put some more money into rural opportunity zones. Those are generally zones of 5,000 people or less. And um, I think there might be some cities that can qualify that in the Riley County. We gave some on sales tax. We gave some uh, breaks for the wildfires uh, damages and the fences that people had to build. Uh, we took the tax off of shipping and handling. If people notice when they get something, sometimes the tax is figured after shipping and handling is is uh, is uh, added in. And then we did uh, transparency and levies. In other words, when uh, the city-county tax goes out, uh, almost every city and county and the, and the cities in the county have intergovernmental agreements. We just uh, wanted to make sure that the voters know what percentage of that tax is going in which direction. So that's kind of a quick summary there, um, Brandon. Uh, a lot going on, obviously. We've got a lot to do. We've got that tax bill that I mentioned had uh, 29 other bills in it. That makes it a little hard. That's why I said <laughs> people are really interested in come to our website, and I'll be glad to send that information, as will any of the representatives here. Um, and then on education, you know, education, I think, has got five bills in it. There's a lot of tug and pull between the Senate and the House uh, committees when they meet in conference on this. So some of the elements that will, people will see in the bill uh, could be pulled out um, it just remains to be seen kind of how that'll be treated. So a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and I, we've kind of paid attention a little bit to some of those those bills here. Of course, education uh, you know, has a lot packed into it here with uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights and and the uh, the transgender uh, issue there. And, and any any thoughts on uh, what I'm, – I'm sure the governor's going to veto that, but is there enough to uh, override uh, any of those bills? Well, probably on the transgender thing, uh, I'm not sure. That's, you know, people are, the part I don't like about that uh, in particular is that I think there's a certain age children can play together and there there is absolutely no competition other than being on Team A or Team B. You know, you, you go up to an elementary school and kids are playing together, so I'm not sure why you would. Uh, even include that in the mix. Um, so I think that's one of the things they're going to have to sort out in committee before we go too much further. Um, and I, I think, like I say, I think the governor will veto that, and uh, it'll be very close. What about this? Uh, the, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, what about the uh, the grocery t uh, sales tax um, issue here? I know the governor's been pushing for that, and there's been some push on the Republican side as well. Um, is there any, any compromise maybe in the works with that? Yeah, I think there is a compromise. I mean, the Republicans have uh, 
I would say just kind of going into this a little bit at a time because that's overall going to cost uh, $460 million a year in uh, taxes that we won't have. Uh, and the certain the future beyond 2023 is a little bit um, uncertain yet. But uh, what the what the Republican bill has in it is a decrease to four percent, and then going to zero in three years. Um, what we thought was in lieu of doing some of these other things that we would try to make some investments in economic development and also. Um, return money in other ways. So that'll, that's still got to be uh, sorted out, obviously. And uh, I think the governor feels pretty strongly about her uh, her proposal. So uh, when we get to committee on that one, that will be probably pretty tough. How, how much is uh, politics playing a factor with this being a, a re-election year for Governor Kelly, do you think? Um. Well, you know, I think it's always tougher for the person who's not in in office. Um, But generally speaking, uh, an election year for anybody, I think, has another adds another dynamic. Um, You know, it's a little hard to sense when you're sitting up there and watching how people are voting. Uh, But there is a sense that people want to make sure that they. Um, are attentive to what their uh, constituents might want, maybe more than in other years where if something was surfaced at the party leadership level, they, they might uh, they might go along with it without uh, and bias a little bit towards that and against maybe what they would do ordinarily. So I, I think uh, this this provides actually a little bit more balance in, in the way people go about things during election year. I think they're just a little bit more careful in uh, making sure that they, they understand what's going on back home. Gotcha. Well, we're about out of time here. I know it goes quickly here, but any, any uh, last things you want to get out before we wrap things up? Well, as we told, uh, you know, the, the two forums we've had with the League of Women Voters and also with the county, uh, just contact the legislators. We'll be glad to provide any information uh, that they want. Again, for most of us, it's just our first name dot last name at uh, house dot ks dot gov. And for uh, the senators, it's uh, same thing. Instead of house, it's senate dot ks dot gov. And uh, just a lot going on, and I'd like to hear from people on a lot of these education issues and um, the uh, women in sports issue, and <clears throat> we've still got uh, a lot of work to do. There are some things done on on the judicial side as well, um, sports betting, uh, parents' bill of rights, all of those kinds of things uh, would be good to hear from people. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate the time, and uh, hope you have a good weekend, Representative Dodson. Well, thanks very much. We're hoping for a little bit less wind, a little bit more sun. I agree. Yes, let's let's get that this weekend. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, Brandon. Thanks a lot. Eight seventeen. Our time now at News Radio KMAN.